Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the Wall Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. Guys, Auburn went down in College Station 27-10 to Texas A&M. The Tigers had a lackluster offensive performance, to say the least. Uh, We let our listeners get their frustrations out, uh, but now we've had time uh, to to review this, rewatch a little bit, and maybe take in a little bit of what we saw. Uh, Brian, I'm going to start with you, man. Uh, You know, now, day after, this is the day after, how do you feel about what you saw yesterday, and where does Auburn go from here? Hmm. I rewatched the first half. It was the same. Everything we thought we saw, we saw. Peyton Thorne didn't look like he was... He wasn't seeing the field when throws were there to be made. The rush got in his head early. I don't, I don't want to make it about whether or not the rush got in his head. We fairly, when he was here, we fairly criticized... Bo Nix at quarterback because a rush would get to him early. And then later when people are wide open, he can't make the throw. Whether he's scared to to pull the trigger or he's scared of feeling that contact and he bolts out of the pocket. Porn, uh, porn. Peyton Thorne was doing the same thing. He was doing the exact same thing. It's the same quarterback play thing that has plagued us across multiple quarterbacks. 
I'm I am not. <laughs> that was such an easy mess. I didn't think that was that funny. We're painting a thorn together for it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. It looked X-rated yesterday for us. Um. So when I rewatched the first half, I'm thinking, all right. Every time it was a, we knew it was going to be a pass play. They just pinned their head back and said, all right, shoot, let's go rush him. And they got him. Yeah. And he feels pressure. It's over. He's not going to sidestep the rush and then scan the field again. That's not going to happen. He feels pressure. He's trying to run or he's going to go down. That's it. That, that's the extent of it. I don't know how much worse. No, let me reword that. I don't know if our offensive line pass blocking is as bad as it was yesterday. And if it is that bad, I didn't know that before yesterday because it looked bad yesterday. I know that there's a talent disparity at work, at least somewhat. That's at least part of it with their ability to pass block because we did. We saw guys getting beat. We saw our offensive line just getting pushed, pushed, pushed back into the quarterback. And I can't say that that's a winning formula if you're going to be in third and eight, third and nine, third and 12, third and 25, or whatever the situation is going to be. You can't win that way if your offensive line is going to get mashed back into the quarterback. But I saw our run game working. Our run game was working the entire, the entire first half. Our run game didn't stop working the entire first half. Running backs were picking up yards and chunks. There should be something available. There should be something in the tool belt for an offense that can move the ball as steadily as we move the ball on the ground. Whether it was Damari before he got hurt, Jarquez looked like himself yesterday for the first time in a long time. Batty looked like the guy he was at South Florida. We should have had more available to us. I don't know if that is on play calling because I haven't watched the film as in-depth as I'm going to when Ike reviews it this week. Or if it's... I'm trying not to put it on play call until I watch a film. That's what I'm trying to do. Because that's what I want to think it is. I saw very few short throws, quick throws, available. Almost every time he, ste- he stepped back to pass, it was a one, two, three, or a one, two, three, four, five. Where's the one out? Like, obviously, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Where's, your run game's working. They're going to key. Give me something quick to work off the run game. Mm. I didn't see that. And that's why I'm, I'm going with, all right, now it might be play calling. When you have at least one thing that works as well as the run game was able to work, the same defensive linemen that were, were crushing the pocket, we were able to, again, five-yard runs, six-yard runs. B, why? Let, me, let, let me interject the point here about the run game uh, just for anybody that's watching. Uh, you know, if you look at the official box score, uh, Auburn averaged 3.5 yards per carry, which is not good. Um, but to, to your point, if you remove the negative numbers the from Peyton Thorne, right. uh, they actually averaged 5.7 yards per carry if you look at just the running backs and their carries. Right, which is what uh, I'm referring so, yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, right. So I just wanted to make sure because somebody might hear you say the run game was working and they'll look at the box score and be like, eh, but right. just over three yards a carry. Uh, the actual running backs were able to get push uh again if you remove thorns numbers from that calculation but go ahead yeah so as i have you know what i took the time i want to say i don't know if it was 21 or 22 we were down here it may have been the spring game after 21 we were watching film and he was explaining to me how a simple i don't even know the name of the offense but it's like listen this short throw is going to be available 
And so we're going to get five yards. This short throw is going to be available. You get five yards. Once the defense starts cheating up to stop that five-yard throw, then this other thing's available. It's like rock, paper, scissors. One thing working should force the defense to account for that one thing and open up something else. Why can't we get to the second and third thing? Where is the second and third thing? Was it available? Was it put on display there? Was it in the game plan? I don't know if it was, and... I can also say if it was in the game plan, I don't know that Peyton Thorne would have found it because that's how rattled he looked yesterday. He's obviously not the answer at quarterback. Whether or not we have the answer at quarterback, I don't know that. All I'm saying is, I know who's not. Uh, I, uh, lots of talk about quarterback, but I want to I gravitate more toward what we saw in terms of system uh, yesterday. You've had a chance to kind of review a little bit. Uh, can you expound a little bit on the game plan going in? You and I kind of had a conversation last night uh, late about w- what was it? It looked more like Cal, you had commented, how they mm-hmm. came out. Um, uh, for the viewers out here, dig a little bit into more of what we saw in terms of how they started the game in terms of play calling and how that hurt everybody, including Payne Thorne. Yeah, I I was expecting more of what we saw early game versus Sanford, which is mm-hmm. come out short pass, try to make Texas A&M evacuate the box a little bit, right? Like be make them play on the outside. Whether it's successful or not, I wasn't really concerned about that. I was concerned about them opening up the idea in their minds that Auburn's going to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. So we need to be able to rally to the outside because I wasn't convinced Texas A&M could tackle very well on the outside consistently. Uh, What we saw instead was something similar to what we saw at Cal. The first two plays looked as if they were designed run options, not RPO looks, but designed run options, meaning it's either going to be the running back or the quarterback running the football. And that, to me, I, I'm, I'm confused about with Peyton Thorne as the starter. I don't know why that would be the way that you attack a team that's full of athletic players. If you got a bunch of slow people out there, all right, cool, maybe we can just, you know, bully our way. And like, if you're playing against the FCS, maybe we could just bully our way to some yards early in the game. But even against the FCS teams, they've shown a commitment to say, we're going to come downhill against your run and make you all throw the ball. And we've just decided, okay, we're going to run it anyway. And I don't understand that. I don't understand looking at everything that you have available to you about the teams that you're playing and saying to yourself, nope, we're going to do it anyway. Forget what they line up and do out here. Nope, run it anyway. It's got to work, guys. That confu- that that's that's confusing to me when you have other options available, because again, the first couple of plays, first couple of drives, usually are scripted. That's that has very little to do with trying to adjust or figure out. It is we decided Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of the week leading up to that Saturday game, based upon what we see. That's how we're going to attack this defense. I don't get mm. it. Uh, I have a simple question for you guys uh, that has been on my mind because of things Hugh Freeze has said publicly in the media about recruiting and playing a string of teams that have been recruiting at a high level. Uh, the question is simple. Did Auburn have the talent to beat Texas A&M yesterday? Yes. Yes. 
Yeah, I don't even I don't even know why we have to expand on that. Yes, we have the talent to beat Texas A&M yesterday. We've already talked about the running game and what we were able to produce mm. there in the run game. We've talked a little bit, but not in depth, about the fact that there were open throws that were available for us to be able to to make there when all quarterbacks were in there, whether it was uh, Peyton Thorne, Robbie Ashford, or Holden Gurner. All three quarterbacks that entered the game had open wide receivers that they could have completed passes to on just about every drop back that they had. Mm on just about every one of them. That is not talent. When you have things that are available there for you, unless you're saying you're not talented enough to see it, right? Like your, your, you, your, your talent ends at arm talent or being able to run. If they're not talented enough to see it, it's a whole other issue. Right. Like, yes, the offensive line messed up. They blocked well enough for us to have passing lanes and running lanes. Mm-hmm. Were they flawless? Absolutely not. I mean, the the holding penalties, which again, I've said this yesterday, a lot of those, not a lot, a few of those I thought were kind of BS calls. Um, but the procedural penalties, we got one false start on the center. And I was just like, I don't even understand. I haven't gone back to watch that play yet. I'm still confused. Usually it's a snap infraction that they'll call on the center, right? Like, I don't know what way Avery Jones flinched on a play that made them call a false start on the center. That was weird to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like yeah, we had some procedural penalties. The often no, I don't think that there is a position group that you could say played perfectly on Saturday, right? Right. But yeah, I don't think talent is the problem with that. Um, let let speaking of talent, we've heard in the lead up to this that five and six were the best receivers. Uh, so there's something I want to dig into here with you guys about again going to to the game plan. What was the plan? At some point, you got to just get the ball to your playmakers, right? Javaris Johnson and Jay Fair had a combined four targets on Saturday, two apiece. How does that happen? How do you get yourself in a position where over the first three games, you flesh out who your best guys are, but somehow they don't get, they weren't even targeted on Saturday at all? Like, you know, how did, how, how did Auburn end up there where you're not even throwing the ball at your best receivers? Well, you know, when you can, go make, ahead, go ahead. When you can make the QB as uncomfortable as ours was, then it doesn't really matter when guys are open because guys were open. That's, that's really the problem is if I can make it to where, yeah, you got wide open wide receivers, but it's not going to matter. I'm just going to make you feel my presence just enough, whether I'm coming from one side and you think the pocket's closing, or if you think the pocket's getting smaller and you kind of run into some trouble yourself. That's it. If you don't have a QB who can do that, back to Ike's point, if you're telling me the, the talent question is at quarterback specifically and their ability to read, feel pressure, and still make the right play, then I absolutely agree that it's a talent issue. At positions 1 through 11, offensive defense, I did not see the talent disparity that people were so worried about. At quarterback, different story, but not in the rest of the positions. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ike, two targets, man, each for Javaris Johnson and Jay Fair. Uh, Shane Hooks, you know, for the record, had five targets. Rivaldo Fairweather had four targets. Malcolm Johnson had three targets. And Brian Batty had two targets. Uh, the distribution of the football from the pad, there were 23 pass attempts in this one. The distribution of the football seemed weird to me. Uh, how did they end up here? What did you see on the tape that, that, that they ended up not throwing the ball at their best receivers? Yeah, I just saw that a lot of the times. So there, there were instances. Let's let's start with Var, right? Um, the two targets he had. One was. I don't even know if you can classify it as an overthrow. How how far over his head that that pass went? Like I don't. It's almost as if Vaughn? I don't know. Yeah, it's the crossing route that um that we overthrew yeah. on third down. It was early. With, it, yeah, it was like okay, on the second yeah. drive, or it might have been the first drive. I don't remember. I just remember that it was it was so far overthrown that you almost wondered, did like was he tr- trying to throw it to somebody else behind him and he right. was short? Yeah, like it was so far over his. I just like I was confused as to where that pass was intended to go. Mm. So that's one. The second one was the back shoulder that Robbie threw to him, which in my opinion actually was a good throw. Right. Like, I think that's one that you kind of need your receiver to come down with for you. Um, So no issues there. But the number of targets I thought was surprising. I thought we were going to try to get them the ball in space a little bit more. When you get to the um, Jay Fair one again, the first target to him. No clue where that pass was intended to go. Like, who knows? He was barely out of his wheel route. And that ball was thrown as if he was 10 yards further up the field. I was. I was baffled by that one. I don't even actually remember what the second target was for Jay Fair in the game. I had to go back and uh, which um, hold on, wait, time out. But beside the overthrow, yeah, he, had, he caught one pass. Yeah, I'm trying to think what yeah. the other target. I don't even yeah, remember. It was yeah, it was late. It was late in the game. I think it was like fourth quarter. He caught a pass from yeah. Rick Payton. I think maybe from Robbie or Holden. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't. I, again, th- why they weren't targeted more? I do know that Texas A and M probably said to themselves, "Okay, we want to try to figure out how to get those guys out of the game." You know, because mm-hmm. shoot, Jimbo Fisher mentioned Jay Fair in his pregame presser when he was talking to the media about, "Hey, he's talented. You know, we got to figure out how to deal with him." So maybe there was more attention they were paying to that. And but I still think that. You have to design ways to get playmakers the ball when you know there's a guy who's a playmaker. Get him the ball, man. Screens, slants, like jet sweeps. 
Yeah, the wheel route was wide yeah. open, so it was yeah. there. Like, but again, that was a well-designed play. Mm-hmm. That play was there. It was the right call at the right time going to the right person. Mm-hmm. You just got to execute the throw. Mm-hmm. You make the throw there, and you have a very different outlook on how this game is played out. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. Uh, look, a lot of questions have arisen over the last couple of weeks about play calling. After Cal, there were certainly some questions about who's calling plays. Uh, Hugh Free said that there were, you know, he called three plays in that game, one of which being the game ceiling touchdown pass to Rivaldo Fairweather. Um, he expressed uh, confidence in, in Philip Montgomery, but said that he would sit down with the offense and work some things out. Looks like they still have some things to work out. Uh, you know, what do you expect to hear from Hugh Freeze on Monday in terms of accountability? My my question is simple: Is this was this how much of this is Hugh Freeze going to own versus talking about execution and players? Right? Is he going to go in front of the media and say we didn't prepare these guys to win? Or is he going to say, if we execute the game plan, we have a better chance? So How much of this I, does he wear? <laughs> he should say, we didn't prepare them properly. There is some truth to the fact that they didn't execute a game plan that could have won the game. However, there was a large portion of that game plan that was not setting them up for success. And we've said pretty consistently on this show that, I'm going to lean in when we talk about blame to the guys who get paid millions of dollars to figure it out. Right. Mm. Because here's where my problem comes. The first couple of drives, again, scripted. That script, throw that in the trash. Don't need to see that again in a Power (laughs) 5 competition. Mm. I don't care who the— Unless, again, the quarterback's Robbie Ashford, then maybe you can get away with it, but it's a little too on the nose. Like, it's almost as if we're going to do what you expect us to do with the guy who can do it. Now let's see if you can stop it. Right. That's a little too on the nose. I think there's a better way to be able to do that. My problem came in— Drive three, four, five on down, and then first drive coming out of the half. You've had opportunities to see how they're attacking you defensively. It was pretty clear they were going to bring a safety and or slot corner off the edge consistently during this game. And we did not have an answer for that in the pass game. In the run game, we ran pretty well when they did that to try to get underneath that blitzing uh, side and and then run either the opposite direction or just into it so that they could catch them in the overflow. No issues there. In the past game, it didn't seem like we ever had an issue for their blitz, mm-hmm. ever had an answer, excuse me, for their blitz. I don't know how many drives of them doing the same thing before you decide to say, hey, let's hey, keep doing this. Let's do right. something to attack that. That's now a portion of that again That's on players. Players can call it out and say, hey, man, when they're doing this, let's try to do da-da-da. But the coaches are the ones that get paid to make those kind of analysis and decisions during the game. They never – I haven't watched the game in a lot of detail. A lot of this has just been cutting up and trying to figure out, okay, this play, this play, this play. I didn't see a lot of that, and I didn't feel a lot of those answers being made from the sidelines. So Mm. I think that the coaches should own a hefty portion of this. Mm, B, what do you think, man? Is coach coaching or or players in execution? I mean, it's definitely both. It's definitely both. When I when I can see wide open wide receivers get overthrown, that's execution every time. It don't matter if it's Anthony Schwartz getting overthrown. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's Jay Fair getting overthrown or whoever the first. I think it was shorter down there when Robbie's first throw when he got in there, he sailed one. When players get overthrown, it's execution. 
when wide open players get overthrown, it's definitely execution. Now, you have to have, there are things that can be accounted for during a game and things that have to have been accounted for way before. The thing that Hugh Freeze may be wearing and, and putting on his chest, maybe not publicly, is I said that you were going to be able to work when I brought you in here. And maybe, maybe you're not going to work. Because he's still the coach. He made that call. He brought that player in. He gave him the starting nod. And he prepared him for four straight weeks for it to kind of culminate in the worst performance being the most important game of the season so far. So you got to wear that. Because at some point, it's kind of like with baseball, right? When you go into a game and everybody's got their rotation, you've got your best pitchers are going to be your your your, your top of your rotation. And then eventually you're going to be like, well, why are we going to put this guy out here? Well, he's here by the middle of the season in baseball, probably before then. You know what you have. Here's a career 5.5 ERA guy. Are you going to make him your starter? Are you going to put him in your bullpen? You're going to put him in your bullpen because he can't handle the starting job. So at some point, I'm not going to blame that pitcher for coming into the game and getting lit up for three straight innings because you made him a starter. He's not a starting pitcher. You're the coach, or the manager in that case, but in this case, if you're the head coach, you brought a bullpen pitcher in here to be the starter. That's on you, player. The managers will be getting chewed out in baseball. The managers will be catching this heat. They wouldn't be blaming the career 5.5 ERA guy for not being a, a starter grace uh, thrower. That's not, that's not who you are. Who are these players? There may have been a question as to whether or not Peyton Thorne could be a starter on this level. The only thing Hugh Freeze has to wear now is, this was on me. We're going to have to do something different because this isn't working. He's, he's been feeding that. Every time Peyton Thorne has looked underwhelming, he's been like, well, you know, we got to play better. Well, if he wants to come back out here, well, when we get in there, we got to play well. All right, you're going to keep making that threat because I've seen the same thing a few, a few weeks in a row now. So when yeah. is it going to result in some action from the other way? Like, yeah, you benched him once we had gone, had looked awful, and we were down 10 points in a game where uh, we couldn't get anything going. So now there's a hill to climb for, for Robbie at that point, but whether it was holding either. It's like now it's out of hand. There hasn't been a game plan made for a week for these guys to try to have success against this defense is going to have to try to find, get lightning in the bottle real quick and hope to make something happen. But that's not the situation you want to put your starting quarterback in, or any quarterback, really. You want to give them a game plan that is suited for their strengths, give them time to prepare. We didn't do that. Will Hugh Freeze do that going forward will be the first true test to me of who he is as a coach at Auburn. Yeah, so that before we get to the break, I got one more question for you guys. We're going to get to some of your comments and super chats here in just a second. But guys, real quick, uh, who starts at quarterback going into Georgia after what we saw? Is there any chance they roll Peyton Thorne back out there as QB1 next Saturday? I don't know that I have a, a, a mm. good answer to that. I, I would say that, and I was pretty firm in this last night, that I think that they should try someone else at starting quarterback. I just don't think that they will. I, I'm not convinced that they're going to do it yet. Um, and what makes me feel that way was their reluctant still to to run the full offense with Robbie in there. Right. Um, he threw four passes, right. right? He threw four passes. Um, B, for you, again, uh, is it fair? Would it be fair now? Or have you backed yourself into a corner where it's hard to play one of these other guys because you've prepared one guy to be the starter all season, you know, so far. And, and then you've got to, if you switch quarterbacks, you've got to throw somebody to the wolves versus Georgia of all people, right? Like, mm -hmm. 
you know, did they have they put themselves in a position where it's going to be harder to switch starting quarterbacks on Saturday? It's definitely hard to do it now before Georgia and the bye week. I watched Georgia's game as I was recording it for film capture. UAB moved the ball against Georgia. They Mm. put up points against Georgia. Their quarterback is a dual-threat quarterback in the truest sense, but they had the short game working. They had exactly what you want to do with the game plan with a a quarterback that can move, but also their skill position players were making the right play, the right reads. They weren't going for 100. They were were taking a, a profit. If you can... If Cadillac can take our offense from what it was when Brian Harson got fired to what it was the next week, the week after and the week after, surely something can be done in a week. I'm not saying that it's even fair to anybody, but what I am saying is that the definition of insanity is what, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. I don't want to be insane next week. Mm. I want to do something different. Uh, I agree. I, I just think it's going to be whoever starts, if it's not Peyton, is going to be in a real tough position on Saturday, given the defense that they're going to be showing. Um, I think they've got to make a decision pretty early in the week if they're going to go another way at quarterback. And you've got to prepare that guy as if he's QB one. Right. And then decide, you know, what the game plan is going to be if that person is not performing well, because like you guys said, you know, Robbie and Peyton have very different skill sets. Uh, so it's not just about pivoting quarterbacks. It's about pivoting game plan at, at some point versus the team that you're playing. 